out on the beat like Bow Wow Cone Rolls wanna be Mike Laced up to the top, about to take flight Meet me at the rim? <laughs> yes, I keep it going Yeah, I'm flowing like a prophet I am chosen to fix this world that is broken Here's a lesson better noted We all try to be civil Hashtag shut up and dribble Pledge allegiance to the flag While they emptied out the mag Take a knee for the politics Got him on the knees, now just suck a dick Whoa, no homo Don't choke, get it right, Tony Romo <laughs> Yeah, that was kinda raw, wasn't it? Finesse words all day for the fun of it Nowadays no one cares cause a man can't say and get away with shit No punishment, ah, but don't sit well with me I lost change but it's still incomplete Gotta be more radical than Malcolm Xing out all possible outcomes Trump sparking, school's marksman Got wall fires, that's sparking Can't forget kids are starving But they the only folks marching How much longer will this linger? Stacking problems like Jenga Issues piss life with stingers And I'm out, two fingers Yo, 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 what is good, everybody? It is your boy, Hollywood, a.k.a. Hardy Boy Swag, a.k.a. the coolest person on the planet repping the DMV. No, I'm just kidding. But with me today, I have my two co-hosts, my best friends, my family. On my left side, I have Snoop, P-U-double-P, because she ain't a dog yet. <laughs> How you doing over there, Snoop? What's good? What's up? What's up? We chilling over here. And to my right, of course, I got the OG, the legend, the myth, the actual originator of Hardy Boy. And the person who really came alive with this show, the brains behind the operation, I got Gator Bait over there, Mr. Gary Hardy. How you doing? Hello, my peoples, my fam. What's going on? What's up, everyone? So for everyone tuning in, of course, you know, this is the premiere, our first ever podcast as the Hardy family. I know the world's been waiting for it. We've been patient, diligently working on it. And so we finally brought it to you guys. So it's finally a reality. It's real. How you guys feel? We finally brought this out. Oh, I'm excited, man. We're going to get it in. Yeah, I'm feeling good. We up here. We live. All right. So before we get into what this show is and why we brought this out and get into the topics before I want to make a couple special shout outs to the people who helped bring the show alive. First of all, a close friend of mine, Aaron, she created the logo, the cover art, all the stuff that you guys have seen with our social media. She's done an exceptional job. And I want to give that shout out to her. If you guys want to follow her on IG, her Instagram is at X C E L L E N T. E-R-I-N. Excellent, Aaron. And we want to give a special shout out to her. Also, we want to give a special shout out to Triple Time Tees for giving us some amazing shirts, merchandise. We haven't really released that yet, but, it, you know, it's for our youth only right now. But we'll make sure to get that out to you guys. Just simple promotions to our fans and family. So I know you guys are tired of hearing my mouth run. I know you guys want to get to know the other hosts. So I'm going to pass it off. Let them tell you a little bit about themselves, who they are and what 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 we're looking forward to in this show. So to start us off, we're going to have the princess Snoop kind of tell us who she is and go about everything. Go ahead. Y'all know me, average college student right here from Mason, playing volleyball. Uh, what I really look forward to with this podcast is for y'all to really get in tune with the Hardy family. We're going to be our most authentic self. So just hope y'all are ready for it. <laughs> awesome. And then, of course, Gator Bait, I can let y'all uh, – tell y'all why he's called that or if he wants to disclose that information with y'all but we're gonna let him share a little bit about himself as well go ahead what up baby uh i'm the old school of course 
Uh, I can bring that, that knowledge from way back. Uh, I'm excited about the podcast. I think it, it's, it's something that needs to get out there just in, for your common person, just to have that conversation. And with everything going on, we just need to have a conversation. So that's where I come in at. And, you know, I got the young blood and the princess. So we're going get it, to get it done the correct way. Awesome, man. That's great. So I guess it's my turn, right? So you know me. Like I said, the name's Hollywood. Chef Boy Hardy because I'm always cooking in the kitchen. But most people know me as Lamar. Continuing my studies for a master's degree in sports and recreational studies. I'm also pursuing my dream overseas, playing professional football, hopefully making it back to the States. So other than that, I'm just living my best life, enjoying my time with my family, really trying to learn as much as I can and, you know, building that foundation. So to continue on with this, I kind of want to talk about what this show is and what it means and where it came from. For me personally, of course, everyone knows Two Fingers. Two Fingers is kind of like my motto, the way I live. For me personally, Two Fingers is definitely a huge thing. You know, being from the DMV, Two Up, Two Down, always represent that set. Two Fingers is more about leaving the haters behind. If any of you guys know me, you guys have seen my Hollywood sweatshirt with the Two Fingers emoji on my back. And it's always talking about putting Two Fingers up to the haters. If you're looking at my back from behind, you must be a hater. I've already moved past you. So, Snoop, how you feel about that? What's your what's your definition of the show, Two Fingers? Yeah, I definitely go off that, being born and raised in the DMV. So, two up, two down, definitely for free, yay. Um, but, yeah, also just peace. Two up, that's all I got is, like, peace to the haters type stuff. Hardy boy, what's up over there? Hey, hey, hey. Well, the deuces, you know, the, the two fingers, peace and love. That's how we do it from the old school. And uh, we're just trying to, you know, spread that love and that peace around the world, man. Come together, be as one. And together we can get it done. My man said together. I like that motto. And uh, so kind of continue from there. So the way the show would usually work, like I said, this is the premiere. This is the first episode. So there's going to be a lot that we're getting into. But the way the show would usually work is we're abroad. We're covering pretty much a lot of aspects. And what we're doing is bringing it to you from a perspective you know, of a black family in America who's pretty much been on every aspect of life. So the biggest thing is, you know, sharing our knowledge with you all, being real with you all, giving people a perspective that they wouldn't really think about, but also educating as many people as we can as well. And the fun thing about this is you guys can interact with us. You know, there are times where we'll allow you to call in. You could chat with us live. So, you know, we would love to hear back from you during and after the show just to bring some new perspective and light to the show. Now that I've got all the boring stuff out the way, y'all ready over there? Y'all ready to dive into this today? We ready when you are, homie. Let's go. So I think we should start with 2020, man. I guess the biggest topic in 2020 was the coronavirus. Coronavirus kind of just, it came out of nowhere. It was almost like a modern day bubonic plague. And I've never seen something that's hit the entire world. You know, this is my my generation now, this don't hit the entire world. I'm talking about literally shut the world down. If there were people out of space, this don't said the earth said out of order. A hundred percent. Everything is cut off right now. Well, like you say, uh, this is it's brand new to, to the, the human race for the most part. And we can't figure it out. The scientists are doing what they do. And uh, we've been shut in. That don't go you know, we, we're not accepting that. So nope. it's ugly, man. It's scary. I got a couple of numbers over here. So we are now 
worldwide at a little over 7 million confirmed cases worldwide. Out of that number, we have over 400,000 deaths and 3.5 million people have recovered. That's worldwide. In America alone, we're so hard-headed. We we have the highest numbers in every category, leading the world with 2 million confirmed cases, about 110,000 deaths. Wow. And 500,000 people have recovered. So... You know, if you think about it, <laughs> I know it's crazy. It's really crazy, man. And it's crazy to see how we are looked at as the superior or the dominant country, yet we have the highest rates in every category dealing with coronavirus, you know? And and I guess that's why we smirk and kind of, you know, try to not laugh at all, but to keep from crying, man, because there's really a plan on how to defeat this, and we're not adhering to the plan. We just had still trying to do our own thing. Exactly. So we're just trying to fend it off a defense mechanism of the American people. Just try to laugh it off so we can keep from crying, like he said. Uh oh, she done use her psychology. She about to get on y'all now. I told y'all, <laughs> don't let her start dropping that knowledge on y'all. She really get to it. Relax. <laughs> so, I think we've kind of shift our focus to pretty much the issue that is going on today the the real virus you know coronavirus is killing people but kind of let's shift to the other one racism racism has become due to today's technology and social media it has grown immensely and you know george floyd's case god rest his soul he was finally laid to rest this week r.i.p george r.i.p let's let's kind of dive into this this is going to be a good chunk of the show today is really talking about George Floyd, Black Lives Matter movement, the protests, police brutality. First of all, the George Floyd video might have been one of the most difficult things to truly experience. It was almost like we were standing there literally watching this happen. Yeah, I feel that 100%. And that that's kind of the difficult thing about these days because we're just all bystanders. So it's hard to... Like, we can't actively, like, the people that are recording couldn't actively do anything, which we have to understand, because there's some people that are like, why didn't they jump in? But you can't do that. So we're all just actively bystanding. So right now, I think this movement is big because everybody is coming together. Like, we talk about different flavors. It's not just Black people. And that's what needs to be done, is, like, we need more white people and other people as outraged as us in order for us to actually make effective change and all that. So looking at it, at the protests, the protests have kind of grown more prioritized or superior to the coronavirus. Social distancing has kind of gone out the window. Mm-hmm. You know, George Floyd has kind of ignited a fuse. What you what you got? Well, it's sort of, you have to uh, not pick your poison, but the cause is so great and so necessary that People are willing to risk the virus, which is crazy, like you say. And this is a virus that's been with us for centuries. So I think people are really, you know, they're practicing the mask or whatever. But so, of course, the crowds are so big and and it's hard to be, you know, social distance. But I think the cause itself has over, you know, superseded the virus and, and people really have had enough of what is going on. Like you say, you could just see this, man, and, and, you know, hear it as well. 
and it really it really struck a nerve for the uh, the whole country. Yeah, I mean, for me, it kind of I don't want to say you know I've gone through stuff, but I think this is awaken America, awaken, awoken, awoke. What's the correct terminology there? I know I got it all messed up, but it caused a rise out of America and definitely opened the eyes not only to the black people who knew, but I think the white people of my generation, Saran's generation, the youth are seeing that a lot of their friends are people of color. I know me personally, for me and Saran, we've lived in all atmospheres, whether we were in Tennessee with the country or, you know, being in Florida with my dad or, you know, just growing up anywhere all over the DMV, you know, we've moved from a not so safe neighborhood to a suburban majority white neighborhood. And so growing up with a lot of friends, it was almost as if like for them to be my friend, they would have to accept the baggage of, that comes with the color of my skin. Yeah, I absolutely feel that way. One of my friends from since I had her since kindergarten and stuff like that, she definitely made it a point to come to me and be like, listen, I've been riding with you since we were in elementary school. You know that I have multiple Black friends. Like, I want to be here. I want to be here for to support y'all. And I think that's just really important for us to get an understanding that, yeah, our generation is ready to kind of turn the table and question the people who they live with and who they surround with and that kind of thing. And it's this generation that is going to make the change because this same generation is throughout the world. You see Germany, you see Italy, you see Australia, you see everybody's hitting the streets. And it's that young generation, man, that coalition, as they call it, which is a beautiful thing. But I'm also going to keep it real with y'all is growing up in the suburban lifestyle and in the area that we do, we've had faced... And some people don't see it as racism, but it's still subliminal racism, you know, growing up, hearing the fact that, oh, you're different or, you know, I like your hair or got some kind of side jokes. I know Saran's probably heard it a lot. I know I've had plenty of white friends that would be like, oh, well, you're white, black. That to me has always hit me kind of different. You know, like I said, I've kind of come up different in a way that, you know, me and some of my best friends, we grew up together. And we were in all honors or AP classes. So, yeah, we were the one or two black people filled with a whole classroom of, you know, white, Asians, brown, any other race, not many black people. And so just to be considered a white black person because I was able to have a higher intellect, I guess, or take more advanced classes or... I hang around white people or I'm in leadership courses or I go to a school or my GPA is higher. You know what I'm saying? That was always kind of something that stuck to me growing up that was a little harsh that I didn't really appreciate. I know Saran's has some comments about our hair from a white friends. Yeah, those are microaggressions that I'm pretty sure every black person experiences. And even though it's a microaggression, it's still like an issue. Yeah, my hair looks cool today, but you don't need to touch it. You don't need to be like, oh, well, can I do that? Like, little stuff like that. I don't know. It just doesn't work. And also what he was talking about with the, you're not like the other Black people. That's offensive because it's like what you're saying that I hang, I speak differently or something like right, that. Right, so right. it's like, I'm not it's kind of the way you're saying I'm not black because how I speak and that just takes away my whole identity because clearly I'm black and I'm very proud to be black. So, 
but that's where we are and that's what that's what's so beautiful about this now we get to have this conversation we get to bring them into the fold we they get to you know we did we get to have the conversation that you all never really got a chance to have you know they get this they ask the question and you get to answer it as well as you have questions for them that they can answer. So it's the dialogue now that we can have. And that's why this is so great. You know, not to say that it's a negative, you know, the curiosity, they don't know. They honestly don't know in their defense. PDA want to know. That's it. But uh, we're going to, we're going to, this is our opportunity and you guys are willing to speak on it. See, it's the old schools like us. We would just stay behind our closed doors, separate. But now you guys grew up together. It, it's, it's not going to happen. So that's why this is this coalition and this, this this generation is so important going forward. And I think that leads into our next subtopic so well of education. I know a lot of things lately have been circulating on social media. A lot of African-Americans have been kind of upset with their white peers for not speaking out or voicing. And it's OK to be upset, but maybe we should consider why we're upset or look at it for what upset. This is how I would view it. I would be upset if my white peers didn't come to me, didn't address it to me, didn't be considerate enough to ask me to know what they should go about and do. I think that's the difference that we should start realizing is it's almost a lose-lose situation for them. They're, they're damned that they do and damned that they don't. A lot of them don't know what to say, don't know how to approach it. and. I'm sure plenty of us would be upset if they would have just went out there trying to voice their opinions and had it all wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, like for example, like these All Lives Matter movement, we understand that all lives matter. But currently, Black lives are being suppressed. They're being oppressed. Therefore, there's one group in that community of all lives that are being secluded. There's no benefit to them. So therefore, not all lives do matter. If this one group don't matter then all lives don't matter, you know? Exactly. And it's like the constant meme that goes around Twitter. If you are in a neighborhood and one house is on fire, are we going to bring the fire trucks and wet up all the houses in the neighborhood because all lives matter or just put water on that specific house because it's literally burning to the ground? It's the same thing. Yes. No one said only black lives matter. We didn't say that. But we're saying right now we need a little more attention than everyone else. That's what I'm saying. And to me, that's like, you know, she used a great analogy there. But another one is like, you got a third grader going to the fourth grade. He's just supposed to learn fourth grade education, just sitting in the classroom every day with no teacher. No. And I understand that we're frustrated and tired of always having to fight and always having to do something. But I don't recall any fight being fun any fight being easy. If fighting was easy, if fighting was fun, it wouldn't be a fight. We wouldn't be having to do this. And my favorite thing is, suppose the generations before us had taken a day off or got tired and say, oh, I'm tired of explaining, I'm, I'm tired of marching, I'm tired of continuing to have to state my case. And what this generation is gonna do for us is, the parents gonna have to get on board. Cause I know most parents, all parents would do whatever it takes to keep their their kids and, and, and happy and, and sufficient with the things they need. So if now the conversation around the dinner table is 
Black Lives Matter, I can't just snub that off. And, you know, I got to stay. I got to sit there and have this conversation now. So that's another point that's going to be made where it brings in the old school as well as the new school. I guess the biggest thing now within these Black Lives Movement and within the George Floyd case is police brutality. And that's so huge. I know a lot of people are like, we need to defund the police. Some police are being more considerate in the protests with other races than us. And that was one of the coolest things I actually saw was that white people are making themselves the barrier between the police and the rest of, you know, the colored people within the protests. And I think that's pretty cool. Like, I'm looking at it in a sense of if it would have been just us, we wouldn't have been able to protest or been out past curfew or, you know, received rubber bullets. Oh, yeah. The colored people, as you stated, would have been hit over the head, the dogs and and the, and the uh, fire hoses. But that's, again, that's where the social media, that's where the uh, television came into play. They were actually able to see that. And once the viewing audience was able to witness it as opposed to hearing that, oh, yeah, this happens, but not really. They had to have done something. But no, when they saw the kids having the dogs attack them, and the water hoses, that's when that generation had to say, okay, enough is enough. And that's where we are again. You can visually see it. You know, you, you're not hearing it. You can see it with your own eyes. And Saran got to go out to protest too. You know, granted, she didn't get to go to the big one, but she got to go participate in the protests. And were there any police officers out there or how was the protest for you? Nah, there were actually no cops in little bitty Centerville up here. We came out, though. That was definitely a sight to see. I thought it was just going to be a couple of me and my friends, but it was hundreds of people from high school, just from all over Centerville out there protesting. We had cars coming by, honking on us and all that. So it was really cool. Weren't you, no, weren't you like a main contributor to that? Like, didn't you and Mom do so when y'all were driving by? Oh, yeah, we drove by. It was all set up perfectly, first of all. We pulled up to the little red light with the four corners everywhere, and we was just blasting Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech while, and everybody really quieted down and was listening to us, and it was just, like, crazy. It was good vibes, definitely. Like, you could just feel the spirit. It was nice. (laughs) But speaking on police brutality, I know a lot of people are saying that not all cops are this way, and that's true. I know my dad has set up multiple opportunities for me personally when I was growing up, whether I was at my church or at my school, he actually orchestrated for police officers to kind of come speak with us and talk to us. I know that as soon as I got my driver's license, the DMV is right next to the door to the police station in our neighborhood. He went and introduced me over there. That way, if they ever pull me over, they can put a a name to the face, you know? Yeah, we were trying to set up where we can name drop if we had to come up against it. So, but again, I was just trying to take the fear out of that. These are the good guys, you know. They got to play with the uh, the siren. The, the guy was able to identify everything on his on his tool belt, you know, not just the gun that you see, but there were some other, you know, safety kits and all that. You know, we we don't really see. All we see is the weapon. So yeah, that was my little something to do for the, the guys coming up because. You could see everything on television just made them the bad guy, bad guy, when in essence, they really are here to serve and protect. Since we're on the topic of police brutality and the ideas of defunding and who should police wear, we were actually watching 
Amanda Seals, she has a YouTube channel. You know, she comes from the real and insecure. She's a true activist and a student of black history. She was speaking with Snoop Dogg about the best way to police your community. And Snoop Dogg came up with the idea of we should have our own people from our communities policing our community. And that almost kind of sounds like the way the Black Panthers were thinking. And I have an agreement to some degree. I'm going to let Saran or my dad kind of come in on their take before I kind of go with mine. But what do you think about, you know, Snoop Dogg's take on policing your own community? I think it's definitely an idea that should be entertained. I don't know if it's like the complete answer, but in a way it does make sense because it's like you have an OG go out to be a police officer. And then when you get that call back in the neighborhood, he could just go back and kind of, it's like the people of the community already respect him. So it won't be too much of a fear instilled in them when he comes back. It'll be more like, I respect you. And he's trying to teach them that, nah, this ain't the way. Like, dude, rather than somebody that's not used to their environment coming back, they're already on edge. They don't know what to expect coming from that neighborhood. So, you know. I think it could be a good idea, but we'd have to arrange it in an effective way. But to some people, they would see that as a snitch, right? Well, I've actually come up in that type of environment where we knew the police in the neighborhood. And it it worked to a large degree because this guy was literally, I would tell your mama on you or you, I would you know, tell you, your uncle. And you knew that was worse than going to jail. So Going to jail, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's spare the rod, man. Spare the rod. Yeah. So it, it's doable, but like she said, it would, you know, everyone would have to come to the table to understand that he's not snitching. He's not saying there they are over there. He's literally, everybody's in agreement that in order for us to get, you know, past that initial hurdle, once you get to the scene, instead of just coming out of the car with weapons drawn, maybe we could have a conversation with it with the person first. And that's where the OG or that that's where the representative from the neighborhood would come in because as stated, they would have the respect of the community. I agree with that. And I have a optimistic kind of neutral mindset on that. Like I believe that we should have someone try to police your own community, but it's hard, especially if you come from the hood. How many people want to come from the hood and then go back to policing their own hood? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? It works because it'll be like an old head talking to a young blood being like, yo, let me holler at you real quick, drop some knowledge on them, give them, leave them off with a warning. But nobody wants to come back to their own hood. And so you got people outside of the community who don't know. You got a man coming from another suburban area, coming to an urban city, and you roll up on a brother already with the mindset, when you pull me over, I'm scared out of my mind. I don't know right from left. I'm trying to figure out, pull my wallet out with my right hand, keep my left hand at 10 and 2, while you got your hand on your hip already. But again, that's where the community, I'm sorry, uh, that's where they come in at. We 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 want the community rep who lives there and already there and, and has put his weapons down, or has put his colors down, but he's still there. The cat that you see up under the tree, the cat that you see on the block still, and you be like, oh, he's still here. He didn't even leave the hood. He's down and out. But that is the down and out brother that we need. So when the call comes over, he can meet him there or some kind of way they can get there at the same time and be able to negotiate the situation with that urban cop that came out from uh, the suburbia 
you know, that's, that's only clocking in for today's job. If we can somehow get those two parties together and then go to the call, I think we can be able, of course, no one wants to come back once they make it out, unfortunately, but you got some G's that are there. And those are the ones that we're saying, oh, they didn't do nothing with their life. But now's the opportunity for them to make up, to make it all up and do the right thing. Undercover brother. <laughs> Undercover brother, yeah. There you go. So since we're on the topic, a man that seals and insecure, let's actually shift over. I know we've kind of been on the George Floyd and the Black Lives Movement for- So much, serious. For, so serious, relax. For so much of- relax. 2020, let's shift. So in Insecure, I know a lot of you guys might watch Insecure. Another actress from the, the show. Put the claps for that. Can we clap it up for Insecure? Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's clap it up for Insecure real quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Show love to some Insecure, Issa Rae and all of them. So Yvonne Orji, a Nigerian-American from the DMV, Lower Maryland, represent PG County. You know where we at. Here. She's a part of the show Insecure, one of the most dramatic, probably insecure person on the show. She plays Molly. But we as a family actually this week saw her comedy stand-up this week. It's called Mama, I Made It. And she was speaking from a perspective of being a Nigerian-American. And it was it was really funny. I think the coolest thing to me is how everyone can turn off their accent and have an American accent. Like, wow. to, me, that's the, like to me, that's the coolest thing. Like we can't, we can't turn on nobody else's accent. We, we suck. Can't. We are the absolute worst. But she is she was able to and I'm talking about she would go home speaking with an American dialect and then turn on her Nigerian accent like it was nothing with her family and it just goes straight back to where she came from to the roots. Yeah, her comedy special was really funny and speaking on the accent thing, yeah. That's very impressive to me because Americans straight up cannot do that. Even the real top tier actors and actresses nope. When they have to play a different role, you still hear it like, what accent is that supposed to be? But right. you get somebody from England come over here, and you, you don't know they're even, they know even they from there till they in an interview. And you're like, hold on, oh, what? Yes. So I think that's really impressive. But yeah, her little comedy special was funny. Mm-hmm. It'd be the black people from like all American. Right. Idris Elba, all American. Idris, Chadwick oh, Boseman. Like, what? Speaking of insecure, I like that little show. It's um, again, y'all's generation, man, is so creative, and like you say, they do stand up. It's so many avenues that they're able to accomplish. You know, the girl insecure, she's that you guys are gonna Issa Rae, she's gonna be the next one, man. You guys are that whole cast is so multifaceted, man. Like you say, Amanda Seals, she she has a, a role there, but she's also very conscious on the outside, and then. She can get on the panel with the the real, and sometimes you know she's too real, and uh, so I really admire this generation's uh, versatility. Yeah, I need HBO to extend these thirty minute episodes. Right, man, these thirty minutes killing me, man. And it's the funny thing. The funniest thing about the show is that after the episode, you'd be so frustrated with it and then realize the show is literally called Insecure. You'd be right. like, why are they so insecure with all their feelings and everything they're doing? And then you look at the title, you got to come back. Displaying what they, what they're to, the, to the full T. Well, uh, shifting again, you know, we always try to keep it new, try to keep it fresh. We don't like to dwell on one thing. The NBA is back. What? The NBA? 
the NBA is back. And they're saying they're going to have 22 teams, like nine from the East, 13 from the West. Come on, man. I don't even know how you do that. So, and the way they have it going is there's going to be eight games played to determine your seeds. And I guess it's going to be eight spots in the East, eight spots in the West after all that. But if you only sent eight teams from the East, I don't understand. Right? The Wizards are in. That's how you know this is trash. Hey. That's how you know this is trash. The Wizards are in the playoffs with us. Saran, you got a favorite team going so far? Who, Who? Um, basketball, you know, I'm a lot of a bandwagon. I'm not even afraid to admit it. I just wait till we come down to the finals and then I'm like, woo, let's go LeBron or let's go whoever <laughs> the other team is. I don't know. Right. Harry, who you got? The Wizards, man. What, what up? All right, All right. Let's be real. This man over here. <laughs> he, he, he blooded. But for real, for real, I think it's going to come down to your, your Clippers and your Lakers, man, that type and that's, of matchup. And that's what doesn't make sense. It's We're now to the point where we're eliminating conferences. So you can have – I mean, I agree. The two best teams should definitely play in the NBA in the finals. But if you do that, then the following season, we got to get rid of conferences. Or do we just chuck this up as an asterisk year and we just – making all types of new rules. Yeah, how it's going to be like, who's the king of L.A.? And nobody else matters, apparently. Right. We're just going to the park, playing pickup and whoever. So this is just a this is a playground tournament. I mean, we at Disney World. It don't get no better than that. <laughs> but a, a, apparently some new news came out. It's optional to play. So now if, say, Kawhi, LeBron, Giannis, all of them don't want to play, now who going who gonna to play now? And who's going to watch? It's almost like, would it have been better to chuck this year up and just ended it? Or are we going to try to watch some bench players play? That's if, you know, the superstars don't want to come back. The bench players deserve to be there. They are in the NBA for a reason. For a reason, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you you don't got got a store full of uh, who on the bench. (laughs) Exactly. You don't got a store full of whoever on the bench jerseys. No, you got a store full of Paul George, Kawhi, Giannis, LeBron. Even John Wall got his stuff stocked, and he ain't played a game all season. So that's well, that. I guess we – I'm sorry, but I just got one last note. I guess it's what, – what are we watching now? 1999-96 playoffs, oh, the Celtics and the Lakers, or the – we were all the way back to the, the, yeah. the Duke and what you call it, 1982. Oh. And they done did that with after the last <laughs> dance, they unlocked all the vaults. They done came back with the dream team for men and women. We've been watching live recording. Right. We watching Clyde Drexler, Will Chamberlain, record breaking stuff. What else are we watching? We watch it a lot. I think we was watching virtual racing and Stanford. Oh yeah. Volleyball. Can't get enough of that. We've been watching YouTube volleyballs all day. So, who's the top five going into fall 2020? Volleyball. Fall 2020. For sure, got your top three Reds Stanford, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Wow. Ain't no questions. Uh, Then we probably, we're going to have to give it to Penn State because, you know, they always make noise. Well, Penn State ain't made no noise. They ain't made it in a while, but their name says it all. And then who we get five to? 
You like Baylor? You like the the, the underdogs? You got a couple underdogs out there. That can... Yeah. Well, you got Minnesota. Y'all be revving Minnesota. Yeah, it's a it's a couple teams fighting for that fifth spot. So. So we got know. Wisconsin, Stanford, Nebraska. For sure. Penn State, just because of the name. Exactly. And then we got three people tied for fifth. <laughs> yeah. Y'all, you're killing me, man. But you know Mason's still on the map. Eh? Oh, hey. yeah. Right. Mason definitely got to make the tournament. We got to make the tournament. And then get Stanford for the first round. <laughs> you know. Y'all might go against, what, Louisville or who over here? Y'all might run into Penn State accidentally. The A-10, baby. Kind of shifting. You know, we're kind of starting to wrap this up. We don't want to carry it too long, like I said. We got a topic that's called the weekly what's up. And it's just to keep you guys informed of what's going on in our lives, what we up to lately. So, Saran, what's going on with you? What's up? What's new in your life? Finally got to move out yesterday in my two-hour time frame because of corona. You know, after spring break, they kicked us right off the campus. So I'm (laughs) just now moving out all my stuff. Them two hours turned into, like, three hours quickly. Definitely, definitely. But, hey, we got it all out in the storage, so guess we're moving on to if we're going back to campus next year. Have they given y'all any information on how that's going to work or what? what's the plan? They're talking about housing may be changed now. They just sent that email today. They're trying to figure out how we can get as limited students living on campus and all that, so... Housing situations may be rearranged, even if you already have your housing planned. So y'all going virtual, man? Online. <laughs> so you not so no more classes, probably. Well, I already the whole psychology department decided basically they don't want to come in class to teach us. So all my classes are already online, which I'm not a fan of. But so how I you going to be on campus? How you going to do volleyball? Have y'all discussed that yet? Yeah, we're broken up into two pods between um, our conference. So it's like five teams in our pod and then the other five. And the top two, I think, come out and then play each other. Top two in each pod or top two? In each pod, yeah. So four teams? Yeah, I think so. Wow. All right. I mean, at least it's something, y'all. We at least getting something. I remember when we were all scared, couldn't even walk outside. Right. So there's hope. There's hope. There's hope. Hardy boy, what you got going on this week? I'm still scared to go outside. What are you talking about? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing what I do, man. Eat and sleep. But, uh, you know, I'm looking for that elliptical, man. I can't find one online. Them things doubled in price. I guess everybody... Trying to get some work in. Oh, this quarantine 15 and add some weight, you got to burn that off? Well, you know. Oh, man, he said all he doing is eating. You plus, know. Plus, you just working from home. That's all you've been trying to get to anyways. You in your sanctuary. Yeah. Hey, is it this thing on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I guess me, I'm pretty much keeping it simple. You know, working, studying for, you know, master's courses. Definitely still working out. I've been working out with, you know, of course, Saran and my little bro. We've just been trying to grind and be still chasing that dream, still working. Yeah, that's me. So before we close, we like to always send y'all off, you know, with two things to think about seeing that the number two 
is so ingrained in this show. We want to send y'all off with two things to think about. And trust me, the next episode, we will not be walking y'all through it like this. We'll just be hitting the ground running. Two things just to think about. One of the first things is pretty much something I heard from D.L. Hughley. Hughley? D.L. Hughley. And is that proximity kills. We can never expound on the brightness of our tomorrow if we don't stop killing our todays. So think about that. We can't expound on the brightness of our tomorrows if we don't stop killing our todays. The example he used for that was the Nipsey Hustle, And he was talking about he at 33 years old, he's a great rapper. He's doing all this at 33 years old. That's his today. But his tomorrow, what brightness would he would have brought at 40, 50 years old? You know, he was opening up his store. And D.L. Hughley was talking about you can't always come home constantly. You can't always come home. You can give back, but you can't always come home. What he meant by that is, and, and it's, it's true, your, your neighborhood, your home, for those who don't leave their community, that's their world. It's, it's as small as that. He got got by a boy in his neighborhood that everybody knew, and it was because he didn't see the rest of the world. And that's why he's always talking about seeing the world. And that goes out for Biggie, Tupac. You know, my dad likes to talk about Martin Luther King and Malcolm X getting together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The great ones, man. You know, they go, they go, they go early, man. If they could have come together, just imagine where we'll be today. You know, the peace and love that would be spread because you know the leadership from the past. You know, both in the music industry, your mics, you guys like that, Jimi Hendrix, Jimmy's, and you know, just just the young cats that passed away young, man. If we could just, like you say, they. Gave back. They didn't get out, man. You got to delegate that. You got to you got to have a representative for that. You can't be down in there because their light shines so bright. We just want to touch them. We just want to, and we wind up killing them, man, because it's too much to handle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's real. And I would get, and I would say the second thing for us to know, and it's pretty much going to be kind of the carrier for this show for a little bit, is please, 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 please get out there and vote. Please get out there and vote. And I'm not talking about just at your federal level for the president. Nah, we got a lot of people out here protesting, you know, social media posts and all this and that and the third. But a lot of our efforts need to go into these local and state polls. I know for Virginia, we vote June 23rd. So that's a shout out to y'all. Make sure y'all get y'all stuff right. Register, get y'all absentee voting. But make sure you guys are going out and vote. Be prepared. And take somebody with you. Yeah, take people with you. I know there's a lot going on that's trying to restrict us from voting. I know something big just happened down in Georgia where... Right, they're not... New voting um, you know, machines are being put in place and they're not working. People are in lines for hours, you know, and that's part of the obstacle. That That's by design. That wasn't just by chance. That is suppression at its best. And I know, you know, Saran's been a huge advocate for voting with her generation and her friends kind of move. She's been posting a lot about that, right? Yep. Just really get out there and make the difference. That's really how we got to make the difference. So 2020, we got time. Go out there. Right. Sarah said this pandemic came on time. Honestly, it gave us time to focus and realize what's going on. And this could be a trickle up, trickle up effect. You know, we got time to go study and learn and educate 
and figure out what's going on in our world. But we got to start at our own local and state communities, our own home, so it could trickle up to the federal and cover all of us. And so those are the two things we kind of wanted to leave you guys with. And, uh, and with that, two fingers, peace and love. Two fingers, two up, two down. Two fingers, deuces. We out. How much longer will this linger? Stacking problems like Jenga. Issues piss life with stingers. And I'm out. Two fingers. <laughs>